All right, so welcome back to another episode of Get to the Point with Buddy and Seabear. It is Sunday, February the 26th. We're recording on a Sunday. Uh, gotta ha- we kind of had to get some time in so we could have our special guests coming on a little bit later. Uh, we have Ben Van Cleve is joining us later in the podcast. He was won a national championship with the Ole Miss Rebels this past year. Uh, we're going to have a good conversation with him. Seabear, how's, how's the weekend? It's pretty good, man. Friday started off rough for both of us. And then that Saturday and Sunday went on, and the weekend got a little bit better. So we can both, as Ole Miss and State fans, we can both uh, go into Monday a little bit happier than we thought we were going to on Friday. That's true, yeah. Ole Miss and State both lost the uh, games on Friday night, Ole Miss to Maryland, Mississippi State to Arizona State, respectively. Uh Ole Miss was able to really get the bats hot this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I think they combined for 30 runs in the last two games. They won 12 to 6 yesterday. Uh, ended up run ruling them in 7, 18 to 8 today. Beat a really good Maryland team. Uh, Mississippi State won, what was it last night? 5 to 1 or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, it was, it's, it was a little bit of separation there late. And then go off for 16 runs today, win 16 to 3. Really kind of turned it on, maybe starting to figure out a little bit about their offense. Uh, the pitching is still a concern for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Ole Miss issued 15 free passes yesterday, another 10 today, I think. Um, it, it's not been very good. Very few pitchers are throwing a bunch of strikes and no walks. Uh, Mississippi State's having the same problems. Uh, you're kind of really trying to find who your starters are, both teams are. Mississippi State, I know, uh, with Kate Smith and Casey Hunt, both both of them struggled on Friday. Uh, Ole Miss lost Hunter Elliott earlier this week, possibly for the end of the, for the whole year because he had some tightness in his uh, in his forearm, which usually is not a good sign when it comes to baseball. Seabury, you know that all too well. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy, my friend. Torn UCL and torn flex flexor tendon. And your flexor tendon, all it does is run from your wrist up to your elbow, and it just keeps your like that's your that's that's like one of your main forearm muscles or tendons, sorry. And then you have obviously your UCL in there. So for for his for his forearm specifically to be sore is not a great sign because obviously like we're baseball players, right? If your shoulder's hurting, that means that your elbow is going to hurt because you got to overcompensate for your shoulder. So. If anything down the line is bothering you, you got to look up for the problem. So if your forearm's hurting, you look up to the elbow for the problem. That's not a good sign for Hunter Elliott or an old, or Ole Miss. But there's positives, buddy, and I say this. When you don't pitch well and you still find a way to win series, you got a good team. So for, no. for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss, didn't throw it well, still found a way to win the series, you can you can get behind that. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right there. It's The Ole Miss lineup is going to keep them in a lot of games, especially even when pitchers struggle because it's a loaded lineup top to bottom. Uh, Maryland's pitcher, Friday night guy, really kept him in check, did a great job of throwing a lot of strikes, uh, mixing in all kind of different pitches, and he held us to two runs. And then that's saying something with a team that ended up scoring 30 runs over the next two games. We're actually going to see that same guy this coming Friday uh, because Ole Miss will go to Minnesota to play in one of those tournaments. They're going to play it in the Viking Stadium. But we play Maryland on Friday again. 
so we'll see that same guy that we saw on Friday night. Hopefully we can fare we'll fare a little bit better. Mississippi State won a big series this week against Arizona State after struggling a little bit last weekend, losing one of the midweeks to Louisiana Monroe. Uh, really kind of bounced back and took two from a good Arizona State team and made a, I think that's a good kickstart to the rest of the season for Mississippi State. Yeah, I hope it is, buddy. I, that, that series y'all played this weekend, though, that, that's so telling for Ole Miss baseball, man. It really is. To not – last year – and it's obviously always going to be this way in Omaha. Your pitching is going to have to carry you. And so, for y'all, last year you're kind of getting the same feel. It, it really just feels the same thing as last year. And obviously you're not crazy enough to think, and I'm not crazy enough to think, that Ole Miss is going to repeat as national champions. But there's always a chance. And hey, for y'all right. to – for y'all to be winning games with that loaded lineup and not have the pitch in there, if y'all can get the pitch in, man, if y'all are on a much better y'all are on a much better level than Mississippi State is because we just don't have the talent at pitcher. Y'all have the talent, y'all just have to work it out. Yeah, we got a lot of really young guys. Uh, our man Cole Ketchum got in this weekend, got his first career strikeout. He had two of them. Uh, he did well when he got in for an inning, uh, but for. But him, like so many other guys we have in our bullpen, there are a lot of young guys. I say our bullpen, it's not like we, we, we ran out two freshman starters. Grayson Sonier threw yesterday, struggled with command, had too many walks, hit a couple batters. Uh, he made, he did not make it through the third, but he did a good job, even though he walked a couple and he gave up some free bases. He only gave up two runs, I think, which he did, a, but one of those was unearned. He found ways to get out of to getting out of big innings, uh, which is key in, in a, when it really comes down to it. Obviously, you don't want to have base runners because that's going to end up burning you at some point. But if you're able to get out of big spots, uh, that's really good for on down the road when you're going to be in bigger moments than just a normal, the second weekend series. Um, Xavier Rivas today was kind of similar. He did well the first inning and then started to struggle, but he never gave up too, nothing too big. Uh, Bullpen came in, did not a bad job, just too many walks. But I think it's kind of the same thing between Ole Miss and Mississippi State right now, just way too many free passes. And you can't do that to win baseball games consistently. You can't, but it, like I said, man, it helps when the Ole Miss's lineup is as loaded as it is. And, and State, is, it's not like the names don't jump off at you like Ole Miss's do, but we've got some good pieces in the lineup that can really do some things. So. It's going to – baseball takes time. Earlier in the year, pitching's always ahead of hitting, so it is kind of worrisome to see those guys giving up walks. But it's still early in the year. So I know I'm not, I'm not on the – I'm not on the burn the ship with Mississippi State, and you're not on the burn the ship with Ole Miss. No. Now, come holler at me in April, and I might be ready to burn it and jump off. But I don't know. Uh, let's see, a little bit more around the SEC – Vanderbilt took two of three from UCLA, a good UCLA team. Uh, Texas A&M actually lost two out of three to Portland. Uh, a little bit shocking. Not only that, they had to have a walk-off home run in the ninth inning today to win just the one game they got. So they were almost about to get swept by them. LSU lost their first game of the year, uh, which was – I mean, they were obviously nobody's going to win every game, but this team is so good that you might think they could. Uh, they faced some guy from Iowa throwing like 101. And it was, I mean, he, they ran into what they have. Uh, East Carolina took two from North Carolina. It was another top 15 matchup. So that's a big one. Uh, 
But yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good weekend of college baseball, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a good weekend. We, we're, we I still need to. I need about spring break, and then give me two more weeks. So I need the first week. Of, I need the first of April to to really start telling you who's who and what's what, because that's when we're going to get in the conference play, buddy, and we're going to figure out who is who in SEC baseball when we start tearing each other apart. Because it's the same. It's the same thing every year in SEC baseball. It's just murderers row. You got to make it out. That's just. It's that simple. You're yeah. gonna get killed, and it's gonna happen. But you just got to make it out. You yeah. just put keep putting one foot in front of the other. Win a game. Win a game. Stack them. Yeah. Uh, don't want to talk about college basketball very much right now because I'm still just. We're all both pissed at our teams. However, Mississippi State did pick up a big win yesterday at Texas A&M, a ranked Texas A&M team. Ole Miss earlier in the week finally fired Kermit Davis. Um, you hate it for him because he's a good guy, but we weren't winning games. I mean, it's pretty simple. And then he gets fired. We play LSU last night, score more points than we have in the SEC all year. When our first – listen to this, Collins. This is – we won last night at home. It was our first home conference win since January the 24th of 2022. We went over a year without a home conference win. Mm. That's tough, buddy. But hey, bright side, man. You're you're getting a you're getting a new coach in. You're getting a program change. You're getting a little flip flop. So maybe some things happen for y'all, man. And you see it with Mississippi State this year. New coach. You see a completely different basketball team. So you, you've got some things to look forward to, buddy. Yeah. Don't don't beat the dead horse. No, you're right. Uh, one more thing about basketball. I think you. I'm sure you saw it. Uh, West Point native. Austin Crowley led the team, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, to a regular season Sun Belt championship, which is insane because they were they were originally picked to finish 13th in the conference. Uh, they have really turned that program around. Austin's had a great year. He's also been nominated for I think is the Howell Trophy. Uh, it's the best basketball player in the state of Mississippi. Uh, so whenever that voting goes up, make sure to go vote for him because he's been a stud. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I I would sign I would sign his name in confidence on a sheet of paper. If you asked me who is the number one basketball player in the state of Mississippi right now, he's the guy. Yeah. It don't matter Ole Miss, Mississippi State. It don't matter. You, the only one that I could think of that you might would want to throw in the conversation is Tolu Smith, and he's garbage. So it Austin Crowley. I mean, it's it's it is what it is, man. He's the best player in Mississippi, and there's nobody that can take that away from him. Yep, I'm right there with you. Um, spring training started this weekend. So we got more baseball on tap finally. Uh, there's a couple of big big moves that were made in the offseason with uh, free agent signings and trades and stuff. But the talk about baseball right now is the pitch clock. Uh, they have, they're implementing a pitch clock this year in Major League Baseball. Uh, they've tried it out in the minor leagues for the last few years, and I guess they liked it enough that they want to put it in the majors. It's going to significantly reduce the game times, which I think is what they wanted. They don't want to have the three-and-a-half-hour games. It's proven to work. It's going to do that. However, you're running into situations like earlier this week, the Braves and the Red Sox were playing. Uh, it's a spring training game, so they're not going to play extra innings. So it's bottom of the ninth, tie game, 3-2 count, two outs, bases loaded. And they ended the game because the hitter, did, the batter did not get in the box fast enough, which is an automatic strike, and it ended the game. You can't 
I understand what they're the reasoning behind having a pitch clock, but you can't make it to where you have a situation where that can end a game. Yeah, a hundred percent. There needs to be a way like there needs to be a way to where the umpires kind of understand like, okay, this is a deciding point in this game. It happened in LSU this year, did yeah, it not? It was LSU. really like a deciding factor in the game, but no. But the game ended. LSU, LSU, LSU and Kansas yeah. State on Friday ended because the batter didn't get in the box fast enough and called a strike. It was an automatic strike three. I mean, it's they've got to get this figured out because you can't you can't have games finishing like that. So what are you going to do if you're in the World Series and it's a three and it's a two strikes and they're down a run and he doesn't he takes too long to get in the box? There were so many times this year. When Bryce Harper had the home run that he hit in the NLCS to send them to the World Series, if he had, if that would have happened this year, he would have had a strike call on him because he took too long to get in the box. But there's so much dramatic effect for taking a little bit longer on certain times. There are times in the first inning when you should not be sitting there 45 pitches, 45 seconds between pitches. But when it comes down to seventh, eighth, ninth innings in big moments, you can't ask everybody to just rush through everything. It's baseball, man. Like you, you played baseball in high school and college. I played baseball in high school and college. There are points in a there are points in a game and situations and at bats where you need you need fifteen to twenty seconds outside of the batter's box just to kind of let yourself just just digress a little bit, just come back down to earth and just feel like you kind of need to remove yourself from the situation. So if you're rushing a guy into the batter's box and the and the fans are freaking screaming and hollering his name. He don't even have time. He can't even step out of the batter's box and call. Like he can't even. He can't even just come back down to earth. It, people that make the rules don't have to follow the rules, buddy. Well, not only that. No, I completely agree. But the pro, not only that, the people who are making the rules when it comes to Major League Baseball have shown time and time again that they don't like baseball. That's it. They it. They don't understand why people like me and you put our whole entire lives into this game. Like uh, we've, we put, we put the first 20 years of our lives into baseball because we love the game. It doesn't matter. We could, buddy, how many games in high school did we play four hours long? And it didn't bother me a single bit. It doesn't bother me now to watch a four hour game. No, because we love the game. The people they're trying to push it into the public eye and people are saying, well, we don't like baseball because it's so slow. That's baseball. You don't have to like baseball. You can go like basketball. Well, the problem is, is that people say that and they don't even realize what they're actually saying because they'll sit there and watch a four and a half hour NFL game, but they're not going to sit there and watch the same amount of time in baseball. And there's actually more stuff that goes on in baseball games than in football. And I understand it's not quite the same kind of action, but there's more big moments. There's more drama. There's no, there's, there's almost no sport in the entire world that can, can create the same amount of drama that baseball does. But people just don't want to listen. They don't like it because whether they didn't grow it playing up or it's not cool to like baseball for some reason. But it, they'll sit there and watch a piece of NBA game for three hours, and nobody yep. nobody on the court even cares about that because you got people like Damian Lillard who's taking a week off because of the All Star break. His first game back, he sits out for rest. You don't get that in baseball. You're playing 162 right. games unless you're hurt. Yeah, exactly. That there's not guys. Let's just go ahead and t- let's just go ahead and throw it in here, buddy. You don't sign a guy like Dansby Swanson to the Cubs, seven years, one hundred seventy-seven million, for him not to play every game he can play. 
Exactly. This isn't like the NBA where you're getting paid $30 million a year. They're playing, supposed to play 82 games. They probably play 60 of them and half of them. And most of those games they sit out, they're sitting out because they're resting. Did you see Anthony Edwards quote on it? No. What did he say? He just came out, and I'm obviously paraphrasing here. He basically just came out and said, you're soft if you sit. There's people that save up. There's people that go to work 40-hour, 50-hour weeks that save up $200 so they can sit close and see you in person play basketball. And that might be one of the nights that you don't play basketball. That's sad. If that's a a single mom, think about it like this, buddy. A single mom put $200 on the table just so she could take her kid to a basketball game that she could not afford and his favorite player don't play, that's bull****. That is bull****. I completely agree. But, I mean, obviously that happens sometimes in baseball games. I went to a game when I was, I don't know, a long time ago, I went to a Nationals and Braves game, and I was really wanting to see Steven Strasburg pitch. That was actually the night that he tore his UCL and he missed. He had Tommy John back a couple ten years ago. That happens in baseball, but it's not because they choose to not play. Exactly. If you're if you're Albert Pujols like you were like Albert Pujols was last year, he's 41, 42 years old, and he sits out a game because he wants to rest after playing the first five days of the week. Okay, it's one thing, but the NBA don't even play back to backs anymore. Rarely, they're playing two or three games a week. They're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to do this. And the only, the only reason they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to do it is because of the fans, and they're not even getting rewarded for doing that anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So you you get to the – I saw a tweet today, buddy, where it said run time for an MLB game is three hours and five minutes. Yeah. And you get 18 minutes of action. Run time for an NFL game on average is three and a half hours, and you get 18 minutes of action. Yeah. Why change the game? Nobody, nobody is going to the NFL telling them that they can't play 15-minute quarters or they can't have a two-minute warning or they don't get three timeouts anymore or the, or the play clock's now 20 seconds instead of 40 seconds. Ain't nobody touching the NFL. No, because the thing about it is is the people that are going to watch the NFL are going to watch the NFL whether it's two and a half hours or four hours every game. Exactly. The people who are going to watch the Major, major League Baseball – are not going to not watch it because it's a little bit longer. And they'll tell you, the only thing that's going to happen with this pitch clock stuff, it's not going to bring in new fans. They're not going to come watch it and say, oh, man, the game's 15 minutes shorter. They're not going to watch it because of that. All you're going to do is piss off all of the fans that you've had for so long, and they're going to stop watching. But then again, the people in charge of baseball don't like baseball, so that might be what they want. So, uh, they, Well, uh, eventually, buddy, they might be willing to you know, just throw baseball in the trash can. I, Who knows? They might. Who knows? Well, I sure as heck don't. No. Well, I mean, we were going to talk about some trades and stuff, but we kind of got off on that a little bit. But <laughs> uh, we can we can still touch some. Yeah, we can, let's let's just, see just some of the majors. Let's see. So, you know, biggest one over in the off season. Who do you think it was? I think there's two. Okay. Trey Turner to the Phillies, eleven years for three hundred. And uh, the Yankees signing Aaron Judge, nine years, 360. Yeah. I think those are the two biggest. The Yankees, I feel like you just had to sign Judge back because you, you're missing out on a generational talent if you don't. Exactly. Uh, I think Trey Turner will fit really well with the Phillies. He's played, He played in that division when he was with the Nationals, so he understands how everything works. And that is a position that they were a little bit lacking a little bit last year. And that now you're going and getting one of the best shortstops in the league. Uh, that's a huge pickup for a team that was just this close to winning the whole thing last year. 
it's it's a huge pickup for for the Phillies. Just be, like you said, man, that locks up your shortstop position. That is your shortstop for eleven years, and that's a really good one to have. Yeah. Now, the Mets rotation got a lot better this offseason. Yeah, they I was going to ask you about that one. Uh, Verlander. And then they added the kid, uh, or not kid, he's 30 years old, from, I think he play, he's either plays Korea, he's either in the KBO or he was in the Japanese league, um, none other than Kodai Senga, uh, five million, or five years for 75 million. So they just locked up huge pieces of that bullpen. Verlander, also, that's two a, years also signed, um, they re-signed Edwin Diaz, which was a big keep for them. They did. So I want to ask you about Verlander. Verlander last year um so they signed him to a, is a three-year deal or two years Verlander two. I think it's a three I think it was a three with a two-year player option I want to say it is but yeah so he's it's a three-year <clears throat> it's it's a two-year deal with a 2025 option so he's yeah. got he's got two years locked in and he can opt in for that third so you're paying him a ton of money the dude's 40. He was 39 years old last year. However, yeah. now, I will say he was 39 years old and he was the best pitcher in baseball, which is insane to think about. But now you're signing a guy till he's 41. Tommy John. Yeah. You're signing a guy till he's 41, 42. That's got to be a bit of a concern there. It is. and But we saw it last year with the Freddie Freeman trade. Obviously, big Braves fan, so I paid real close attention to that. The Braves, the only reason he did not re-sign with the Braves is because the Braves weren't willing to give him eight years. Yeah, that's true. He's thirty. He's thirty-five, thirty-six years old. Why are we going to give you eight years? That's you're going to be forty-five years old playing baseball. That makes well, we've, no sense. We've talked about it a little bit on this podcast already. Um, the Braves front office has done an amazing job with locking young guys up for a long time without paying just too much money. They're letting guys go that really you don't want to. You didn't want to let Freddie Freeman go, but then you bring in men who you're not paying near as much money as you're going to have to pay Freddie Freeman, and he provided really similar output. Very similar output, although Freddie Freeman's just—he's uh, a, a three hundred hitter on his worst day, and that's just unbelievable. Yeah, so it's a big club. So you big had clubhouse Olsen, presence too. Yeah, Olson's seven years younger than him, so now you get Olson for the time you had Freddie. So you can potentially you can see Matt Olson turning into Freddie Freeman with time. Yeah, and then a huge trade, buddy. This is massive. This is a three-team trade. Between the Braves, Brewers, and the A's, the A's received um, five or six players. The Braves got one guy from the A's, Sean Murphy. Yeah. The Brewers got um, Justin Yeager, William Contreras, and Yeager, and two and another guy. Yeah. So the Braves, they get rid of a catcher, an all-star catcher from last year. They bring in an all-star catcher from another team. You see it constantly with the Braves. They're constantly moving pieces to get a better lineup where they don't have to pay all this money. Yeah. And, but you see some teams like the Cubbies, man. Cubbies just signed Dansby, and then they go and get Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers. Yeah. So the Cubs are throwing money into the throwing money into that team, trying to get the because the NL Central last year was so down. We thought the Brewers would walk away with it, and the NL Central was tight the whole way. Mm-hmm. Uh. Go through a couple more. The White Sox got signed Andrew Benintendi. Yankees signed Carlos. That's Carlos you. Rondon was a big pickup, I think. Uh, Giants got Sean. Sean Manea, he's a good guy. He really is. Padres, uh, Xander Bogart's deal was a big one. 11 years, $280 million. Uh, That's a bunch of money that's for huge. a guy who's also 30 years old. That's another one. Exactly. Um, 
not only that, earlier this week, Manny Machado agreed to an extension with the Padres for 11 years, you know, three, $350 million. That's another shortstop or third baseman who's 30 years old signing 11 years deals. So I think the MLB is kind of pushing now that you're pretty much expected to play. If you're a good, huge talent like some of these guys are, you're playing until you're 40, 40 plus. Yeah. I mean, we see it with Nelson Cruz now. Nelson Cruz has fallen off a little bit, but he's still a good piece in your lineup. And that dude's almost. 45 years old. Yeah, you're right. He, he's still a good he's still a good baseball player. Uh the Yankees did uh they did get Anthony Rizzo back, buddy. That's a big pick. That's a good that's a big got a, They got him 2 years for 40 million and they did not overpay at all. Yeah. They got exactly what they needed to get. A one year for 20 million for Anthony Rizzo is really big. That's that's one of the few times you can say the Yankees didn't overpay. Yeah. Uh one more I want to talk about is Arguably the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob DeGrom, signed with the Rangers. Uh, I think he got scratched from his start the other day because he was having some arm problems, which has been a concern of his. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But I, I don't really understand from his perspective going free agency, leaving a good a contender with the Mets and going to the Rangers because the Rangers aren't any good. No, there was talks all year. Jacob DeGrom was out with the Mets, and um, the Mets just really had to go in and they just had to pay him. Yeah. That's all they had to do is just go in and pay him. And then, But Steve Cohen obviously is not worried about paying anybody. No, he has spent a bunch of money. So that tells, that tells you what, that DeGrom's a liability for the Mets yeah. no matter what. That's that's scary, especially the Rangers. They they paid him – they're paying him $185 million for five years, buddy. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, when he's healthy, he's the best pitcher in the game, and it's not even a question in my opinion. He is. But he just – The Rangers also – they added Nathan Eovaldi from the Red Sox. That's a, big, that's a really big arm. Yeah. Um, that's a big arm. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, see if they can stay healthy. Obviously, it's baseball. It's a long season. People are going to get hurt. People aren't going to be able to stay healthy. So, it's interesting to see, yeah. especially these trades with the big money, if they can stay healthy and actually produce – um, I'm excited about the, yeah. I'm excited about the MLB season to get started. We got opening day on March the 30th, so we are a little bit over a month away. Um, Can't wait! So I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I love opening day. Yeah, it's there's there's not a whole lot of better just days in sports than an opening day in the Major League Baseball. Um, so good. So that's going to kind of cover it for the MLB. So let's get into our guest, Colin. So let's. Yeah, buddy. It's probably one of your favorite people of all time to ever put on an old Miss jersey. He's definitely up. He's definitely up there. So he brought you something that you never thought you'd get, man. Yes, he did. All right, joining us today is a former junior college All American at Northwest Community College. He was a stud at Indianola Academy in multiple sports. And more recently, he was, he's a former national champion. He is a current national champion of the Ole Miss Baseball Rebels. Uh, welcome today, uh, Ben Van Cleve. How are you today, Ben? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I mean, I've been, we've been, we've known each other for a long time and I knew that whenever we started this, we we're going to try to get you on. We try, we're trying to get everything figured out and make it a little bit better before we had you on. We didn't want to have you. We first started because it was pretty rough, especially then. But uh, so I mean, let's see, I saw you at the Ole Miss baseball game today. Uh, what do you think now that 
Is it weird going to games now that you're done playing? Uh, I think for me it is a little bit weird because I know most of the guys on the team still, and seeing them out there, I feel like I'm supposed to be out there with them, playing with them, being their teammate and all that good stuff, and I'm just watching from the, from the stands. And, like, for instance, today we, there was, like, a heated moment in the game, and, like, I just wanted to run out there and be with the guys. But, yeah, it is a little bit weird in that aspect. Yeah, you, that heated moment, McCant, dude, he got into one, put it in the put it into the uh, put in the bullpen, right? Yeah, he actually put it over the bullpen. Yeah, put that one over the bullpen. Who was that? Letter let let who was who put one in the bullpen yesterday? Uh, Calarco hit one over the bullpen. He hit like 115 off the bat. It was a bomb. But yeah, they that was kind of. That was a little heated series, huh? They got a little ta- a little choppy last night, and then they really got into it today. I thought they were going to clear the dugouts today. Yeah, they got after it this weekend. Um, I I mean, you know, men have a lot of testosterone, and it doesn't really take much for us, um, especially like in that moment. Maryland came into our house, and they're a top 15 team, and we're a top five team. So they're coming in there trying to prove a point, trying to show like, hey, we can hang with y'all. Who cares that you're the formal national champions? And uh, they wanted to come in there and prove a point, but the boys got after it this weekend, and pitching wasn't all that great, but they could sh- can sure swing it this year. Yeah, I think there was, you can- there, was, there was 10 total home runs in the game today, and I think we hit six of them. Uh, Calvin Harris had a weekend. He was four for five with two bombs and a double. I think he ended up with eight RBIs today. Um, I kept saying over and over, I said, this this guy is an absolute, he's a professional hitter. He's going to hit in the big leagues for a while. Uh, but, I don't know, our pitching is a little worrisome, I think. Well, with the pitching, well, I mean, last year, until we made it to, uh, until we made it into the field of 64, you're saying the same thing that you would have been saying last year. It was worrisome last year. Uh, pitching something that comes together and it's yeah. going to take some time. And that Ole Miss team, they had the talent for it. They had the pitching talent without a doubt. It hurts losing three of your main guys recently. Uh, I mean, they, they just went down Elliott recently. We don't really know how long he's going to be out or whatnot. Uh, Riley Maddox, who was a stud last year, he's out for the year. He's actually could possibly. I think he's actually, I think he might come back in April. Yeah, there's a chance. And then, you know, Josh Mallett's, who was arguably our best guy of the pen last year. Is, uh, he's out for the season. So, I mean, it's tough when you lose guys like that. So uh, a bunch of these younger guys are going to have to step up and get comfortable real fast. They're going to have to grow up fast. And they've got some talent in the bullpen, so they're just going to have to come together. Yeah, you talk about college ball, man, you guys getting hurt like that, man. It's it's really the next man up mentality. They preached it to us. I played Division three baseball, and it got beat into us, just next man up mentality. And you know it's that way in Division one all the way through. So, And you're talking about these freshmen, man. You were a guy that stepped in from JUCO as a junior and and, uh, and won a starting spot in the fall. Uh, your senior season, kind of, you kind of pieced some things together and, and made it a good season for yourself and uh, put the team on a good place. Uh, just talk a little bit about how you keep those freshmen locked in. Y'all had a freshman last year, uh, Hunter Elliott out of Tupelo. That was a key role for y'all. So how do you keep these freshmen locked in, man? Well, that's a good point. I mean, so with these freshmen coming in, a bunch of them when they first get to the get to the team in the fall, they're very immature. 
Um, and it's really cool to watch them grow up over one fall. Like, they're these, like, immature little boys, basically, coming in in the fall. And then you watch them have a fall season under their belt. They get 100 at-bats or whatever it is, hanging around the older guys. And you just kind of watch them grow up right before your eyes. And, like, they kind of realize, like, hey, I've got to I've got to grow up quick. I'm about to be facing 23, 24-year-old men throwing, throwing strikes, trying to strike me out and all this stuff. So it's not as hard to try to get them locked in, to keep them locked in as you think. And like you mentioned, Hunter Elliott, he, he was different. He, uh, he was a different type of freshman. I mean, he just had it from day one. Um, it's, it's more of experience thing. Like once they get the more experience, they're going to get more comfortable. Well, that's kind of like you talking about the freshman we have this year got to grow up quick. I think a series like that we had this weekend with a top 15 coming in, that's really a big, that's a, a good way to kind of get them a little bit more used to what we're going to be facing in the SEC because we played Delaware last week. Pretty much everybody got to go in. That's not going to be a realistic um, type of series for what we're really striving to. We're not trying to beat teams like Delaware. We're trying to beat teams like Arkansas, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and all the, the really good teams in the SEC. And then later on down the road, trying to make a run, try to get to Omaha, and even like last year, we get hot and we win the whole thing. But I feel like this is a good step to – find a way even when we didn't play great all weekend we were able to find ways to win the game um really relied on the bats but this this lineup is dangerous yeah um coach bianco he loves scheduling series like this weekend because he got exactly what he was hoping for this weekend he wants to see the guys and how they handle adversity Maryland comes in Friday night, kicks their tail. He wants to see how you're going to bounce back. So he, he's he's happy with a weekend like this weekend. Sure, you would love to sweep. You would love it. But we got we got to grow up a little kind of quick, honestly. I mean, well, the walks and stuff didn't get much better throughout the weekend, but the bats woke up. So, yeah. uh, But that's the type of weekend that you, you want early in the season because it has that SEC-type atmosphere, like you were saying. has they They have that SEC quality. And uh, those are the types of teams you want to play early in the season. I mean, we get Maryland again, I think, Friday night. And that guy that just shoved it against us this past week, he's going again against us Friday night. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the team bounces back on Friday against him. Yeah, we um, – obviously, Mississippi State – oh, I say we, Mississippi State – can't cannot pitch the baseball. I mean, cannot do it. And to go into a series against Arizona State in your first game, you're 13 up in the fifth inning, and you just scrap that game, and let's move on to Saturday, Sunday, right? So for the same thing for Ole Miss, right, kid shoves it up your rear end. You go back to the locker room, and you scrap it because you still got to win a series. I think a lot of baseball fans, a lot of college baseball fans, they get caught up in like, we got to win every game. Oh, pump the brakes. You take two out of three in a series, and if you're playing a two-game set, split them. That's all I care about. Split a two-game set, take two out of three in a three-game set. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, something that goes along with that is, like, you're talking about the fans. Are they freak out? I think you're supposed to win every game. Like, I, I'm a big believer in, like, who who really cares how you do in the regular season as long as you make it into the postseason? Like, who cares? If you make it in the postseason, you've got a shot. Just like we proved that last year our team did. Sure, you want to host a regional. You want to host a super regional. You want to have that home field advantage. You want to have your crowd there. But, like, 
in the grand scheme of things, as long as you're in the field and you got a shot, then it doesn't really matter. So, like, yeah, you, the, all these fans, they pay for tickets and they want to see you perform the best that you can perform. But it's it's just a game at the end of the day. It's just a baseball game. There's a winner and there's a loser. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. So, I mean, it's just pump breaks until you get to around postseason. And then you can start freaking out a little bit more. You kind of touched on it right there with once it only thing that matters is getting in. So we're sitting there. You're, you're sitting there at the stadium on Memorial Day this past year. Uh, not really a hundred percent sure whether or not we were going to get into the field of 64. There were rumors around that we were going to make it, but nobody was a hundred percent really sure until we saw it on the TV. Uh, from your perspective, did it feel like there was just a huge weight lifted off of everybody's shoulders as soon as you saw the name pop up across the screen? Yeah, without a doubt, there was just a huge weight lifted off our shoulders because, I mean, we knew we had a chance. Like, we knew, like, and we saw the regional we were going to, and we were like, really? Like, this is an Arizona team we want revenge on. Um, And then Miami, we were like, we don't think they're that strong. Like, they're good, but I don't know how tough they really are. And uh, I don't know, pra- practice that day was just like, it was the best practice we've had all year. Just like everybody was relaxed. Everybody was loose. Everybody was having a good time. We were getting ready to fly out to Miami soon. Like it was just, everything went really well that day at practice and everybody was smooth and relaxed. And it was like the first time that all year that it looked like we were like really relaxed. And that was also something that showed us, well, maybe this team's got a shot to do something. If we can stay this relaxed. It's baseball, man. You can't, you can't hit a baseball and you can't pitch a baseball when somebody can't fit a safety pin down your butt, man. It just is what it is, man. If you're if you're tight, man, you ain't finna do it. You got to be relaxed and and trust trust what you've put out on film and on tape all year, right? Right. My hands are good, whatever it might be. You just trust yourself. Whatever your whatever your best thing is, just trust yourself and rock, man. You kind of said something about having having revenge on Arizona. Uh, how good did it feel to knock them out? It felt really good because, I mean, we went to Tucson the year before, and they, they kind of just whipped our tail. I mean, we got one game, one down there, but the two we lost were just two really ugly losses. I mean, we did just all around. We got smoked. That team the year before could really hit. And then, yeah, I mean, we got we got uh, down in Miami and we played them, and we were down, I think, late in the game. And then Peyton Chatagnier came up big for us late in the game with a home run, a bases clearing double, and it just felt really good to get that win. And then, I mean, the next day we had Miami, who was tough. I mean, it was they had the best pitcher we probably faced all year when we faced them. They threw a lefty who was like a three quarter slot. He was just gross, and. uh and then we're kind of waiting around the next day, and then we saw we had to play Arizona again, the championship, and we're like, oh, that's wrapped up because we knew they had no pitching left, and we still had pitching, and we knew that we were good to go. Yeah, well, we put up like 22 runs or something like that, that game, that yeah. game or something like that. Yeah, I think um, – so we had, I think, 14 or 15 hitters travel, position players travel, and I think – all but one guy got a hit in that game, something like that. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, it was obviously we could sub everybody in, so like everybody, like almost everybody on the team got a hit. Yeah, so when you get into those games where guys start subbing in in high school, you you start to lose 
everybody in the dugout. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? In high school specifically, like, we play teams. uh, I'm not going to throw them out there, but we play some teams where in the second inning our guys are done and JV guys are in. And it's hard to keep those varsity guys locked into the task at hand because there's still a ball game going on. So when you're in that game, and you've been in a lot of them at Ole Miss and Northwest where it's 12 to nothing in the third or fourth inning and you just kind of – you get to go hang out, chew sunflower seeds, and and spit the crap with everybody. How do you stay? How do you keep everybody else locked in? Right. So you got to keep the you got to keep the kids that are playing locked in, but you kind of feel the you feel the game and you know what's going on. Yeah, it it really depends like what situation you're in. For example, like we're in the regional, so like it wasn't a problem keeping everybody locked in then because we knew like because like we had some people in the dugout that had some cell phones and like we knew who was up next if we won that regional championship. Like we knew we had Southern Miss, and we were like, they do not want to see us in Hattiesburg. They don't. So, like, we knew that uh, we had Southern Miss if we won, and we're up about 15 runs or whatever. So, I mean, it wasn't hard to keep everybody locked in because we knew, like, what was up next for us. So everybody – and, like, of course, like, whenever you've got the younger guys coming in, subbing in off the bench, getting at bats, like, all the older guys are, like, cheering for them, rooting them on, happy for them. Uh, it's a little bit different, I would say. Like, for instance, if it was a midweek game against Alabama A&M, if it was something like that, and you're up 15 runs in the third, and you're already starting to sub out in the third, it's a little different then. It's hard to stay locked in. But you just kind of have got to have faith that, like, hey, we've got the talent that it shouldn't even get close with this type of team. Like, we should be fine. Uh, but when that happens and, like, we you don't stay as locked in, so you give up five or six runs, and it becomes an eight game, eight, eight run game, and you realize you subbed out all your starters. Then it's like, hey, everybody lock in right now. Let's go. We got to get after it. So it's really all just the situational type stuff. Going from let's see the the regional against Miami and Arizona, like you said, we went down to Addisburg and played Southern against arguably two of the better pitchers that we y'all probably saw all year in Tanner Hall and Hurston Waltrip. Uh, first, did, what did you think about how much fun it was to go down to Hattiesburg and beat an in-state rival like that uh, to go to Omaha? Uh, yeah, you say in-state rival, but, I mean, I know Southern looks at us that way. We don't look at them that way. Like, they're not a rival to us. They're inferior to us. It's kind of how we've always felt. But it it felt good just kind of throwing Mississippi on our back, going down there and doing what we know we should have done in the first place anyways. Like, we, we, knew that, <laughs> we knew that we should go there. We should win two games in a row, no problem. And it didn't matter who they pitched. Our guys were so locked in. Uh, the hitters, everybody, yeah. the pitchers. I mean, I think Delusha and Elliot, they both gave a, a combined one run maybe in two games. It was, yeah. just, it was just crazy stuff down there. And so, like, I mean, you got pitchers that are throwing like that. All you got to do is obviously put up two runs a game. But I think we – I know we put up, I think, five or six one game and then 10 or 11 one game, something like that. But, uh, yeah, going down there and knowing that we were going to win that thing, like, it wasn't a question. We knew the second we won the regional that we were going to Omaha. Like, it was just a thing. Yeah. Everybody knew. Everybody knew that we weren't about to let Southern Miss beat us to not let us go to Omaha. So, it was really, really – it was really hot that weekend, right? <laughs> um, when y'all got in that dog pile, was that turf not super hot? 
It was. I was on the very bottom of it. It was tough to breathe. I, mean, <laughs> I was on the bottom of both our dog piles this past year, and I don't, I don't know which one was worse. It was. It was. It was hot down there. That turf was like rubbing on your face, and because I remember when we were stretching in pregame, like when we did some type of stretches, a lot of time we get on the ground and have to get on our hands and knees and stuff, and like do certain stretches, and like we could be, we couldn't keep our hands on the ground for like longer than three or four seconds because our hands are starting to burn from the turf. So it was hot that day, or both those days. I think the turf got up to like 115 degrees, something like that. Like it was ridiculous. Yo. Simply, and this is all I'm going to say about it because I really don't like thinking about it. Y'all simply just outclassed Southern Miss in that super regional. Like it was, it was big brother against little brother, littler brother. Yeah. And it was just like OV. Like first, what was it? Uh, they threw the wall. What was his last name? Waldrop number two. No, they threw Hall. Hall came one. Yeah. That kid, an absolute unit. But when they when y'all got through him, he I think he went seven, gave up like two runs. When y'all got through him, the ball game was over. Everybody knew it. And then you show up in the ballpark on Saturday, and I didn't even watch the game because I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, let's see. So when you get to Omaha, you kind of right away felt the Ole Miss fans' presence, uh, and it really just got bigger and bigger throughout the week and a half that we were there. Uh, how cool was it to see that whole place in red and blue the whole week? I mean, it, I was there, so and I got to see it from the fans' perspective. But when you're on the field and you look up and you see everything, how cool was that? Man, it was, it was something else. Everybody kept calling it Swayze North all week, and, like, that's what it was. I mean, it was just anywhere you went in town. Like, if you were in town, you went to lunch, you went to dinner, wherever you're at, all you see is people in Ole Miss shirts. People in Ole Miss gear everywhere. They they know who you are. They say, hey, what's up, all this stuff. And, I mean, obviously inside the stadium, we went to some games sometimes. Like, obviously when we weren't playing, we had passes to get in, so we'd go to games. And, like, I swear there were some games where there were more Ole Miss fans for these other two random teams playing than those other two random teams fans. Like, it's just they showed out in an unbelievable way. And, uh... I know a lot of people had that mindset where it was like, well, I don't know when this is going to happen again, so we're just going. We, we're going to go and make the most of it. And, like, now that I'm done playing baseball, like, I had the same mindset. I'm like, well, shoot, if we ever go again, like, I'm I'm about to go enjoy the whole entire week and experience the whole thing. But it was really cool to see all the fans there. Yeah, man, it's a dream come true for a young kid that grows up in Mississippi, right? You were – we, buddy talked about it. Indianola Academy played with the East Coast Sox. Um, good football player and baseball player. I think a lot of people obviously know you for your baseball. But, I mean, you cut me a flip on the Indianola 50-yard line when I was in the seventh grade, and there is a jersey. I'm, ki- I'm not kidding, dude. Somebody bought it. It was a number 30 jersey that I wore. And the whole way down from the top left shoulder all the way to the bottom of the jersey was blue. Where you literally skid me across the fifty-yard line of the football field. Do you remember that? I don't remember that specifically. I remember. It. I'll never forget it. I don't really remember. It. And we had some jersey won't either. I don't remember many of my hits I had, but I like I remember how I got hit. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We had some pretty. We had some pretty good. 
we had some pretty good battles between Okio and uh, Andy oh, Nolan a few on. times. But come on, hey, we beat y'all that one time. So <laughs> <sighs> we never got to play you in baseball, though. That's the thing that sucks. We, we never even got we to play you. Very baseball. good in baseball. Yeah. We were okay. We were. They were scared. We were pretty good. We were okay. Uh, uh, I think we made playoffs. So I played high school baseball, eighth through twelfth grade. I think we made playoff like two times, maybe three. I think two, though. Yeah. I see y'all did kick our ass in basketball a few times, too. So, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Basketball. An absolute yeah. unit in the paint. I forgot you played basketball. A unit ba- in the paint. I-, I was the rebound king. I think I averaged, like, my senior year, I averaged like 15 boards a game. <laughs> yeah, it was. Dude, it wasn't fair. <laughs> I wish. I'm about to say, I think. Our skinny, our guy, our post was like six foot and a hundred and eighty pounds soaking wet, and we had to try to defend you. It wasn't even fair. Yeah, well, I guess that's what you get for being a big old Delta boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you were you grew up an Ole Miss fan, right? Yep. So going, you left Indianola, and you got a chance to go play at Northwest. When you got there first, was the end goal trying to find a way to Ole Miss? And then once you got there, how awesome a feeling was it to know that you were going to get to play for the team that you grew up pulling for? Yeah, it was always Ole Miss for me. Um, That's the reason I went to Northwest, because I wanted to be close to Oxford and give the coaches a chance to be able to see me up close and personal. Uh, The end goal was definitely always Ole Miss, and – I mean, I had a bunch of schools flirting with me in JUCO, offering me and trying to get me to play for them and whatnot. And I sure I took my visits, but I truly deep down knew that like I did not want to go to any of these other schools. Really, if like I had to choose one, yeah, I could have done it. But like, I'm just just glad that Ole Miss uh, offered me because that was really all I wanted to do was go there. Once they offered, I mean, I. I went. I committed the day I went on my visit. Like it wasn't even. Like, I didn't even think about it. But uh, so yeah, cool, so, man. Yeah. A lot of people aren't afforded that opportunity, bro. So for a lot of kids, like for let's just say me, for example, right? I didn't. I grew so obviously West Point's twenty minutes from yeah. Starkville. I played with East Coast baseball, and my, I had a really good year. It would have been the year that you won the. Uh, Won the perfect game, World Wood yeah, Bat. The World Wood Bat. Sixteen. I think I was twenty. You won it. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. So, I actually um, the the way East Coast done it, did it that year. They split up three teams. Obviously, Ben was on the best team they had there, and um, they. It was really cool to see y'all as like because we still got to wear the East Coast jersey, right? right? And so we would walk off the field. And the other field over, it would be, you know, Luke Hancock, Bennett Van Cleve, just like an, just a whole freaking group of studs, man. So for me and us being around the same age, it was cool to, to be able to wear that same jersey as y'all for, you know, a whole summer. Just because you, you kind of felt like we were all on the same team in the same group. Is that You get what I'm right, saying? Right, right, yeah. That was just a, um, a really cool experience because – Kids like kids like me that didn't get to go play at the Mississippi State or the Ole Misses, we still like I still feel like a part of me got to play there just by us wearing the same jersey one summer. Right, right? Yeah, I mean that's an awesome that's awesome that like 
that has like knowing people like me, like Luke Hancock, like other guys, like it has that effect on y'all. I mean, that it's pretty cool. I, I've I've like I've stayed connected with a lot of friends that didn't get the opportunities that I got, and uh, I mean, it's 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 really awesome to see how supportive they've been towards me over the years. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like just you know, growing up. I'm sure you were probably the same way. Uh, growing up watching Ole Miss baseball, it almost felt like the people, the guys on the team were just not necessarily like not normal people, but they were special and you just kind of looked up to them in a different yeah. way. But what was actually really cool was when I really started getting into it again was, see, you were one of the very first people that I've known that got to go play somewhere like that. And like knowing people on the team makes it so much more interesting. Like I said, we have my cousins there now. So I've known him for forever, and he's on the team, which makes it really kind of cool. You kind of get to connect with the team a little bit better, uh, which just makes the low points a little bit lower, but it makes the high points way higher. Um, so, man, it was like last year when, watching y'all win the national championship was, uh, first of all, even just as an Ole Miss fan, something I never thought that I would see. <laughs> right. um, and then – but also just with like knowing you and knowing a couple other guys, it just made it so much more fun. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head as an Ole Miss fan, uh, something I never thought I'd see as a fan. I mean, as a player, is always the goal, you know. But as a fan, it's like, hey, Ole Miss always getting screwed. Ole Miss can't ever get over the hump, always this, always that. But, yeah, it was cool to see that uh, come come out to play. Yeah, you were, you were actually with me that night that we lost to uh, Tennessee Texas. <laughs> I remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That was that was tough to oh, watch. Oh man, that was Yeah, that was rough cuz we had such a good team that year too and it yeah. was I mean we just had so many really really good teams over the past over coach B's whole tenure there that were just weren't able to get over the hump. And then y'all last year you look up and you're half almost at the end of the SEC play and you're 7 and 14 in conference play and you're sitting there thinking whether or not we were going to make it to the SEC tournament much less the whole the NCAA tournament. Uh then y'all decide Tim Elko, like Tim Elko says, said, don't let the ribs get hot. And y'all did. Uh, swept the last two series. Got in. We lost the opening game of the SEC tournament to Vanderbilt. And I think everybody was kind of just nervous there. But like you said, as soon as you got into the tournament, y'all just really turned it on and didn't look back. Yeah. the uh, Getting in the tournament, I mean, it's a weird way to look at it when you get in because – a lot of people look at it as like there's 64 teams in, you've got to beat 63 other teams, but that's not how it is. Obviously, like you're set up in no. your different like regionals, and you only got to beat three teams in that regional. You got to beat one team in the super regional, so that's four teams. You only have to get through four teams technically just to make it to Omaha. So it's it's like it's kind of a weird way. Like you look at it in the field of 64. I mean, it's tough to make it to Omaha. Don't get me wrong, but if you take it one game at a time and you've got the talent, it's like, hey, I just got to beat four teams and I'm in. So I think that's a way to look at it. It's a better way for – That's the thing. The thing right there you just said, man, take it one game at a time. Take it one game at a time. If you start – in baseball, man, if you start looking at Sunday on Friday, Friday and Saturday just got a whole lot harder. When you start looking at – in baseball, like you're saying, you got 64 teams you got to beat, or you got to be better than. Let's just say that you got to be better than 64 teams or 63. Don't look at 
the number ones through the 16s and be like, all right, all right, all right. We got we to gotta be better than number one today, number two tomorrow. No, cuz. I got to be better than number 16 or 17, whoever it might be, 16, 17, 25. I just got to be better than them today. And I'll focus on whoever. I'll focus on whoever when that time comes. But for right now, I got to do this. It's hard. It's hard. It's so hard for kids, especially like 18, 19, 20, 21. I mean, we're, I'm 23, y'all are 24, probably going into 25. So like now we see it. But when you're in the moment, it I don't know how how y'all got the mindset to okay, we're just gonna play baseball after everything that had happened that year. You're the number one team going to southeastern Louisiana and drop a midweek game in southeastern. Like everything that had happened, and y'all still find a way to do it. I freaking hate on this, by the way. <laughs> oh, dude, you should have seen that. As soon as we won the whole thing, it was Collins was not happy. It was. That's I was good. loving it. I, think, I was uh, loving it because I had to sit there that way, and which I didn't understand. I mean, uh, I've always hated Mississippi State too, but like, I guess it was different for me. It was nice to see my friends win a national championship. Cause I had friends on that Mississippi State team that won it all, but it just seems like nobody from Mississippi State was very happy we won it. Like, even though they didn't have a dog in the fight anymore, they just were just all pissed off that no. we won. And I was like, man, I was I happy for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't necessarily happy that they won it, but I wasn't like everybody that was just so mad that they won that I couldn't even talk to anybody. But I don't know. All I just right, so I was myself streaming- Twitter for a couple of days. I, it's not like I didn't talk to anybody. I just got off Twitter for a couple of days. I didn't want to be in the Twitter beefs or nothing like that. I just kind of stepped out. The one thing that made it worse, and I can speak of this as a Mississippi State fan, the only thing that pissed me off was we literally won it last year, and y'all sorry, sorry sacks of <laughs> had to go and win it the very next freaking year. Like, give us a freaking year, man. Let us just be happy for a freaking year. Jesus Christ. This is me off. See, now it's the, the real Mississippi State and them's coming out. Oh, it'll always Thank be you. here, man. Thank you. Even the, however much I love Bennett Van Cleve and is so excited you're a national champion. You grew up Ole Miss fan, won him a national champion. That's freak championship. That's freaking awesome. But still, screw y'all, man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we let you go, um, what is – so now that you've done – you're finished playing. You played three years at Ole Miss. Favorite atmosphere to go to besides Ole Miss or Omaha? Where was it? Favorite or best? Best, because obviously you didn't like, probably didn't like uh, any of them, but definitely Mississippi State. Got to get it to them. They it was Super Bowl all weekend. They showed up, showed out. It was two years ago when we went there. I think they had fifteen thousand people there on Saturday. Yeah, yeah that, that, that series was, was crazy. I mean, we lost two out of three, but uh, it was it was just so loud and like. They started their maroon white chant, and they just really got into it. So I would say that was the best atmosphere, not my favorite at all, just because it's. Why would yeah. that be my favorite? <laughs> uh, my my favorite was probably uh, at Arkansas. I mean, I don't like Arkansas either, but their their crowd was crazy too. God, yeah, I, I think everybody Arkansas. feels mutual Me about too. that. The thing yeah, earlier- about Arkansas is they all they're only relevant. And really baseball. Like, they're irrelevant in basketball. They're irrelevant in football. I don't know about any of the other sports, but 
they try and be the most, like they always try and be the yeah. most relevant. But you're all like, you're, you're just Arkansas. Like you, you're just Arkansas. <laughs> oh man, they, they're something else. You should have seen, you should have seen the, the, the types of fans sitting behind our dugout. Just probably not a lot oh, of Oh man. There's something else. <laughs> There's... Uh, uh, what's the worst? Here's a solid question. The worst fan base. Like when you walk in the on deck circle, they're behind you. Damn. Like, oh, you Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> they're the worst. It's just like they don't know how to. They don't know how to cheer for baseball. Their whole everybody in their all their whole mindset is let's talk to the other team. Let's go after the team. Let's go after the other team. I feel like that's all they think about and talk about. That's all they do. They, they, yeah. they. I don't know how very, I don't, see I don't, your team fails and their team succeed. That's my best way. Yeah, best way to describe it. Hey, that kind of sounds it, like a bunch of Mississippi State fans yeah, too. They, they do have that tendency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh, dude. Well, Ben, I don't want to keep you much longer. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you around at Oxford because I'm coming to all the games. Collins is probably not going to see you because he hates Ole Miss apparently. But I, I heard uh, <laughs> Collins was thinking Dude, about I... buying a place up here. <laughs> Collins, first of all, Collins can't afford a place in West Point. So let's, let's try and get Collins a place in West Point, and then we can maybe move to the the Starbulls or the Oxfords so, or the Hattiesburgs. So, but first, I got to figure out my situation. Yes, yeah, he man. said Oxford. He did say Oxford. He didn't just he hey, didn't just cut Oxford. it out. I lived in Oxford for five or six months at one point. And uh, I enjoyed it. I, I was during the summer, like, I think I moved there in May yeah. and left in, like, October, November. You enjoyed it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It's a better, I'll Dude. be honest, it is a better town to live in than True. Stark. Yes. It's a better town to live in than Stark. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Ben, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Steve, you got anything else before we let him go? No man, I, I appreciate you, man. I hadn't talked to you in a while. It's been good to catch up. Uh, I got one. I got one question. What was it like? Uh, Tanner Leggett was probably one of your really good buddies at Northwest. I remember uh, he played East Coast. You played East Coast, and y'all made it to Northwest together. Tanner went to Mississippi State and was a big piece of them winning a national championship at State. You went to Ole Miss, big piece of them winning a national championship at Ole Miss. Did y'all stay close and connected through that whole yeah, thing? Yeah, we did. We were actually roommates at Northwest, and we still stay connected till this day. I mean, he was, he's been one of my best friends for, I guess, four or five years now. Um, he's a great guy, and I, I love seeing him succeed there. And it was it was nice to, like, have he, I did have him in my corner whenever we were on our run. He was one of the supportive state fans. <laughs> and uh, it, it, was, it was cool to – it's kind of an experience we both got to experience together. We both experienced on different levels, but at the together at the same time. Right, man. That's Tanner, me and Tanner. First night I met him, me and Tanner I sat on the bed of his truck and talked for three hours. Just the first night I met him. If that's just kind yeah. of the duty is, man. Yeah. He's just a great guy. 
Yeah. Well, Ben, don't want to keep you any longer. Like I said, appreciate you coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, listen, Collins can give you he wants to, but you're still a national champion, and that's the only thing that matters. <laughs> so, um, like I said, you appreciate you. Hold up my head, buddy. Yes, you can. I'm yes, he can. Never going to win one. <laughs> ben, thanks for coming on. Uh, good to see you. Good to talk to you. And we'll catch yeah, up a little bit thanks more. Thanks for having here. me, guys. Yeah, that was um, – thank, thank Ben again for coming on. Uh, see, but that was a fun conversation. Uh, it was good to catch up with him again. Uh, hadn't talked to him in a while, especially – I know you haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, it's been a while, man. It probably junior – going into my junior year of high school is the last time I talked to him. It's been yeah. a long time. Uh, you know, it was a lot of fun being able to talk about the run that he was a part of this past year uh, – for the Rebs to win the national championship uh, and all the stuff that he'd done building up to that, kind of getting a little insight on how the locker room works and how to handle certain things. Uh, so, no, it was fun. Seabear, uh, let's see, we are recording on a Sunday. This will be out. It should be on Tuesday, I think. So, looking forward to the rest of the week. Seabear, do we have a lock of the week? No, sir. It's mm-hmm. It's so hard with basketball. Just because in NBA, they want to see a team play and how they play that night. And then with obviously, we talked about it, somebody might sit, so they're not going to put a line out until they know who's going to be playing. And then college basketball is just, you're not getting a line. You're not getting a line two days in advance for college basketball. And if you do, there's nobody touching it. So yep. I'm not, we, I, we're going to try and put some stuff out on Twitter. Me and Buddy talked a little bit about it. We're going to try and just get like, if we, if like for right now, we're not gonna have a lock of the week. So look on the Twitter later in the week where me and Buddy will we'll talk throughout the week and find something that we both like, and we'll give it out to y'all as as like our joint lock of the week, uh, just for the podcast purpose and, ke- and keep y'all locked into us. Yeah, uh, like follow us on his Twitter and Instagram underscore get to the point on Twitter underscore get to the point with the number two instead of the word two on Instagram. Uh, make sure to hit us up, follow us. We're going to put out some clips and stuff from this. Uh, a lot of good stuff with Ben, a lot of good stuff early, having a little rant about the MLB. Um, but yeah, so it was a good week. We got a lot of stuff coming up. We got conference tournaments and basketball coming up soon, which is going to be a lot of fun. Got a bunch of golf coming up. Got the Bay Hill Invitational this weekend. Got the players the next weekend. The Masters a little bit over a month away. Um, a lot of stuff with that. Uh, gonna have a lot of fun the next few weeks, so make sure to stay tuned in with us. Gonna put some stuff out. See, uh, where you got anything else? Oh uh, yeah, I got one thing. I talked to somebody who's been listening to the podcast from the jump, buddy. And um, you know what they said? What? The amount of bull that pours out of my mouth should not be listened to by anybody and nobody <laughs> believes anything I'm saying, but I will always believe what comes out of my mouth and I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess that's probably a good way to end it today. Uh, Bear, good show. We'll have a good show on next week. I think we might have a potential guest coming on next week. It'll be fun. Uh, so yeah. So thank y'all for listening again, again, uh, thank you for joining in to get to the point with Buddy and Seabear, and we will see y'all uh, when we see you. <laughs>